Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. Do you want to dive deeper into this story? Do you want to get episodes early and listen without ads? Well, you get all of that and more for as little as $5 a month. Go to dakotaspotlight.com and check out Spotlight Plus. Hello, everyone. This is James, host of Dakota Spotlight Podcast, and I have a bonus episode to share with you today. It's a single episode story. Today is November 16th, 2019. A lot of you are waiting patiently for Season 2, the untold story of the 1976 murders of Wade and Ellen Zick of Zeeland, North Dakota. I truly appreciate your patience, and I thought in the interim I would share with you another story which I produced a couple years ago for a different podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Rest assured, though, that I am working very hard on Season 2. In fact, let me relate to you something that will demonstrate exactly how deeply involved I've become in this Zealand story. A few days after Wade and Ellen Zick were murdered in July of 1976, a farmer was doing some mowing in a ditch near the intersection of Highways 12 and 83 near Selby, South Dakota. While working his machinery, he thought he saw something lying on the ground, not a pop bottle or a can, something else. So he stopped and he took a closer look. He picked up a brown or gold-colored wallet. There was no money in it, although there were several photographs of children, those small school photos that so many parents and grandparents often carry with them. There was also some identification. The name was Mrs. Ellen M. Zick. The farmer took the wallet home and called the FBI. Much later, the wallet was returned to Wade and Ellen's daughter, Nancy Zick Wald, wrapped in red and white tape, which read, Evidence, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Washington, D.C. Along with it was Wade Zick's wallet and Ellen's green checkbook. You're wondering why I'm telling you this. As I said, rest assured I'm working very hard on season two, and that is partially why it's not ready yet. I have interviewed many people. I've stood on a plot of land where Wade Zick grew up, south of Chafee, North Dakota. I've written letters to federal prisons and to archives and made phone calls all around the country. And as I'm recording this, Wade and Ellen Zick's wallets lay in front of me on my desk in my home. They are virtually unchanged, exactly as they were 43 years ago when they were taken away from the Zicks on July 11, 1976. They rest here in my office for now, and here they will continue to rest until I finish up Season 2. Meanwhile, today I'm sharing with you a story that I produced a couple years ago. The slogan for Dakota Spotlight is, Real Stories from the True North. I tend to focus on true crime, but I'm hoping that you will enjoy the following human interest story while waiting on the release of Season 2. It's a true story about a young boy with a dream and the tiny town that dared to get behind him in 1976 and 1977. Who doesn't love an underdog? and the town of Epping, North Dakota, with its school enrollment of just 22 farm kids, stole the hearts of North Dakota when they fought their way to the finals of the North Dakota Boys B Basketball Tournament in 1976. If you've seen the movie Hoosiers, this is North Dakota's Hoosiers. Even though Epping lost in the final game to the biggest B school in the state, they are remembered as winners from the little town that could, Epping, North Dakota. And the architect of this dream was Donnie Allard, who is no longer with us, but is still remembered by friends and family and basketball fans. I'm going to share with you a shortened version of my original story, which can still be found at the podcast named Dakota Ball or dakotaball.org. I hope you enjoy this real story from the true north. 
We will start out at the interview I did with his teammate and brother, Bob Allard. Meanwhile, I'll get back to work on season two. Thank you again so much for listening. Being on the farm, it helps you work hard. You, you know, you got that hard work ethic, and and we we really worked hard. We, you know, I I started out and I wore weights on my ankles all summer long, so I could I could jump. I got to where I could jump pretty high, and that's I had to because we weren't that big. And my dad built a basketball court on our farm. So me and my brother, we played basketball. That's all we had when we weren't working, we were playing basketball. My name is Bob Allard. I was uh, born in 1960. Grew up in a small town on a farm eight miles south of Epping. I live in Fargo, work for Burlington Northern. Would you say I'm exaggerating if I would say you're kind of a legend in North Dakota in a way? I, I wouldn't want to say that, but I think the, t- the team of Epping is a legend. The, the town of Epping is, is a legend, yeah, but no individual. How often do people recognize you that you, from the Epping thing these days? Oh, it, to this day, to this day, I run into people and, and talk, and, and if, the, if the word Epping comes up, they remember it. Not only do they remember it, they remember where they were at, what they did, what they ate for supper before the game. They, they remember everything. So how did you and Don learn to play such great basketball? You know, being such a small town, in, in Epping they had 5th and 6th grade basketball. So when he was a 6th grader and I was a 5th grader, we all, the teams were together. And then they had 7th and 8th grade basketball in the small towns. So when they were in 8th grade and we were 7th grade, we played together. So you think it's just being exposed to that much basketball that made you such a good player? or That's all we had. I think the biggest thing was Epping had only, only had basketball. We didn't have anything else. Sports-wise? Sports-wise, we had nothing. We, uh, you know, one, one year we asked the coach if we could go to a track meet just so we could do it. And uh, we went and ran. We went and it was kind of funny, but because we'd never practiced it. We just went to the track meet just so we could do something different. And we had we couldn't have a football team. They didn't have consolidations back then. So the only thing we had was uh, basketball. Did your parents go to all the games? Or? They went to all the games, yes. They, they sure did. Uh, because they had to drive us. We didn't have a bus. We, the, only, the only bus they had, they had one bus, and it was for picking up kids in school in the morning. So we never took a bus to a game. We always, uh, I should say never, because the 1977, when we were doing really well, we asked the superintendent, since we've never been on a bus, could we take a bus to a game? And he let us take it to Ganora one game. And so it's the only time we ever got to ride the bus was one game. Otherwise, the parents drove all the kids. Many times we come back in a caravan in a blizzard or something, and you, I just remember a lot of times you have to drive and, one guy has his head out the window to see the, the yellow stripe on the highway just so we can get home and out in because it's all out in the country, you know. You're... So no paved streets in Epping? No, no paved streets. 
well, they got the one that goes through town now on the side of town that's paved, but nothing in, in the town itself. Growing up, like I said, every year we got matched up to play together, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. We just, our dream was when we were juniors and seniors, what we were going to go to state. And all being from such a small town, going to Bismarck was unheard of. We just didn't get out of that small town area. Williston was the closest thing that we, we go into Williston a lot because. So just going to Bismarck, regardless of basketball, was a big deal. Oh, it was, it was amazing just to get down to Bismarck and, and excitement and. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. Do you remember where you stayed in town? Yeah, we actually stayed at the Holiday Inn, which is tore down now, but it was right off of the River Road. And, uh, boy, we got, we, we got the welcome wherever we went. Do you, uh, did you guys get any sleep that weekend? <laughs> I mean, how did you get to sleep uh, you know, when the next day you're going to play in the arena? We, we got down there and when we walked into the, the Civic Center, it was, I mean, we'd never seen anything that big before because we had to go practice. We got to go practice on the gym and it was, it was just such a rush just mm-hmm. coming from a small, our gym was so small. Our locker room, we didn't, our, our guests didn't even have a shower. I mean, all they did was <laughs> went into an old classroom and got dressed. Right. And our showers were ancient. We only had two showers in ours, and it wasn't even really a locker room. Um, wow. So I'm sure people didn't like to come to Epping because you had to come out of a basement to run up to the gym. And the gym only held, I don't know, it only had three rows of seating, and it wasn't very big. Nice uh, home court advantage, maybe. We always like going out of town because, <laughs> but we played well in our gym. We didn't. They got to remember, Epping at one time had the, the largest losing streak. You know, they had over ninety-seven games in a row they lost. So Epping was known for being losers, and so it was such a big thing when we turned everything around. I don't know what. So that losing streak. I'm sorry. Was that losing streak going on when you were a kid? Then when I was a kid, when I first moved to Epping, the losing streak was going on, and I was like in first or in second or third grade when they finally won their first game, and and then it just seemed like we got better, and then we got in. Uh, Larry Overbo came in, and he just turned everything around. He was coach, amazing coach, and just. Just turned things around in Epping when he got there. You want to tell me a little bit more about your the the other set of brothers? Yeah, the Vinger brothers. Uh, Clyde was a senior with my brother Don, and Mike was a junior with me. So we played basketball. I mean, when we were at school, that's all we did. And Jay Bingaman was, and Jay was a hard defensive player. He played his tail off. The fifth tall guy. Tall as Jay, or was Jay was he wasn't very tall either. We I think I was at the time six listed at six three, and then. Uh, Clyde might have been six one, and then my brother Don was, I think, listed at six foot. Mike at six foot, and Jay was about six foot. They were all maybe five eleven. I'm not sure. It, we weren't very big. And the other brothers, what kind of playing style did they? What roles did they have? Guards. Uh, they forwards? were shooters. You know, smart, good passers. I, I tell you, what made our team the what we were was we knew what the other guy was going to do just by looking at him. I just want to talk real quick. If you remember the, do you remember the first game at state? First game we went and played uh, Turtle Lake Mercer, and they had a, a tall guy, Paul Singer, and you know we just didn't know what to expect. And I think everybody 
just thought Epping come from a weak district or something. And we come down there, and it was close. It was toe-to-toe. I, I think I got in foul, foul trouble early. and uh, But we ended up coming down, and, the, and they they pulled it out, or we pulled it out. So, But it was a great game. Nice. The excitement level kept growing and growing, and you get up in the morning, and, it, and the press was... They just ripped every game. They just... You know, calling us Goli- or David and Goliath. You know, it's the small town. They, all they ever talked about was how small we were and how we had won. And now going on to game two, and Epping is moving on, and, and mm-hmm. how the people are watching it. How has the community reacted to this uh, Cinderella basketball team? Well, it's really super. Epping is a, a very small community with 23 in high school. And we're really proud of them, and, and I think they appreciate our help. Too. Okay, congratulations. Good luck tomorrow night. Thanks. Now, somebody told me today that you were going around. Was that you that was in the Kirkwood this afternoon leading cheers for the Epping Eagle? No, I was up at the Capitol pushing Epping Eagle buttons. Oh, you were? <laughs> somebody was going around uh, doing uh, Epping cheers all over the motels today. So the next night, we come back, and we had to play wing. And they were quick. They had some quick guards. And, uh, you know, them. they were a small town. They weren't that big. And... We played them, and we nerve. I think we were just still a little nervous, you know, and uh, ended up beating them. And so another clincher, another nail biter. Yeah, and then you got to go back to your hotel. Yeah, got to go back to the room and try to get some sleep again because the next night we play the largest Class B school in the state. Rebound for Epping's Eagles, and here they come, the darlings of this tournament, the Cinderella team in North Dakota. And there's the whole Epping Eagle. It was amazing. When we come out of the locker room, it was to come into that gym and the roar of everybody for Epping. And we had, I just remember the cops clearing the way for us to come in into the gym. And everybody's, you know, they trying to give us five, and and we were just, we didn't even know what to think. It was just so. Well, must have been an incredible thing. It is, it is exciting, and you could talk to you when you go to small towns, and if you ever brought up Epping, the older people they would tell you how exciting it is. It's, it's like you said, it's the most memorable game in, in history of North Dakota. And it probably, because of um, consolidation, something like this will never happen again. It, it'll never happen again. You, you could, I, I can't imagine a small town like that with that few of kids uh, that team. could go anywhere. Or even having a team anymore. There's no. No schools that small, are there? No. No, I, not, with, not with a basketball team. Yeah, we, we lost by four. You know, besides being <laughs> exhausted, I just wanted to like pass out on the floor. I was so tired when we were done there. Um, but you know we felt good. We we gave it our all. That was the main thing. We we just didn't quit. And I, if we would have just if we'd have just quit, then we'd have felt terrible. But our coach come in and he says we got nothing to be ashamed of. He said you're you're winners. And I'll tell you, it must be because people today still think we won the game. Exactly. You know. So even though we didn't win, people still. My nephew just told me the other day. He says. He ran into people at a wedding in Garrison, and they once they knew the Allard was uh, name was in the wedding, they come up and they wouldn't quit talking about it. 
And they just kept telling him how it was amazing how they won that game. And my nephews had to tell him how they didn't win. <laughs> I want to thank Bob Allard for taking the time to meet with the Dakota Ball podcast. During that interview, Bob shared with me the news that his brother Don passed away from cancer in 2015. Sadly, Bob and Don's older brother, Alan, also passed away two years prior to Don's passing. They both died at the age of 56. In this next and final part of the episode, you'll learn a lot about Don Allard. I interviewed his parents, his kids, and several of the Epping Eagle teammates. It's a story about hard work, dedication, and goal setting. And very simply put, it is also by all accounts, and I really mean that when I say by all accounts, also a story of just a really great guy. Most importantly, he was a great dad and great friend, son, and brother. Perhaps less important in the really big picture but nevertheless inspirational to no end. Don was a great, unselfish teammate and basketball player. Hi again, it's me, James. I just want to tell you about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to the Dakota Spotlight podcast that allows you to listen to these same episodes without ads, and you get access to them before anyone else. Your subscription will also unlock access to exclusive episodes, the Spotlight Plus newsletter, videos, pictures, documents, and more. All at the same time, you will be supporting me and Dakota Spotlight. Please check out Spotlight Plus by going to dakotaspotlight.com. Thank you for your support. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks' lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series... And that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. One sunny and beautiful Saturday morning, I drove from Hebron, North Dakota, to Epping, where I visited Don and Bob's parents, Al and Linda Allard, at the very farm where the boys had grown up. We sat at the table in a quaint kitchen. The Allard served me coffee, 
and they shared their memories of both the 1977 Epping Eagles and their memories of their son, Don. He makes 36-30, Epping with the lead. Four minutes, eight seconds to go. Sorry about your loss with your son, Don. Were you, Don. I, I've understood now you've lost two of your sons? Yes. Uh, they both. They were both 56 when they died and two years apart. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, that was. And um, Bob actually told me, you know, that in Don was like his best friend. It was, you know, they were very close. Very close. And there, I'm looking out the window. It's a nice sunny day. And just as Bob mentioned to me when I met with him, there is a little basketball court right in the front yard. With Bob told me that his father, Alan, built that. Is that correct? That's right. So did the, I take it that um, your sons were out there a lot? Oh, they spent many hours out there. Did they have a lot of work to do around here? Like They done hard work. They put up the hay in the fall, and they milked cows and done the chores before they went to school. I think they, they were dedicated to the work here, but they were also dedicated to basketball. Don was, he wanted to lose weight because he knew this next year was coming up. And when, so he quit eating suppers with us. And when we were eating supper, he would run and he would run to the end of our pasture and back. And he'd done that every night when we had supper. At the time they were growing up, we put all our hay up with small bales, small square bales. So they were used to throwing square bales, loading bales and stacking bales and Mm-hmm. trucks and trailers and unloading them and stacking them in the grills. I, I have to say Don was a, the one that really carried the team yeah. as far as, you know, holding them together and stuff. But they had played with these kids from fourth grade up. They started the same bunch of boys were on the same team for from the fourth grade. So they played together many years, and any time they had extra time, like Bob said, they didn't have anything else to do. Right. And we only had the one sport in, in Epping. So any time they had any extra time, they would be in the gym. And they were very, very dedicated to that team. Going into that 1976 season, did you think that was going to happen? I mean, I wanted it so bad for them because they had worked so hard for it. But I never thought... I really didn't think they'd ever get that far. But you were aware of their dream and their oh, focus yes. on it, and yeah. that they were. Don was the one that he had told. He never said it to me, but he had told him that. Oh, really? They were going to go to state when that season Don started. Don told you, right after what well, was right after basketball started practicing. I asked he come home. We were eating supper, and I asked him, "Well, how's the practicing going? How's the team going to be?" And he says, we're going to state this year. See, that's another thing about achieving goals that people talk about a lot, having the vision and you're, you're setting a goal and just to, sort of deciding, this is, I'm going to make it, this happen. Yeah. It does sound, the more I'm hearing, it sounds like Don was really the mastermind behind this. <laughs> he really was. He, um, you know, it didn't always show up that he was... Uh, one of the better players like he wasn't the better the he wasn't the top scorer or and bob had the ability of of jumping that was you know and his just his timing and stuff was so good but bob or don was the he was the one that 
I really think that it held them together. Did Bob and Don always get along? or Most of the time, I, I honestly can say I never seen Don mad, never. In his 56 years, I never seen him get, and I'm sure there was times, but I didn't see it. Ever get in trouble much? If they ever got in trouble, we never heard about it. <laughs> they kept it quiet, and I'm sure there was times probably that they didn't want us to find out things. But, yeah. uh, you know, of course, those those years when they were hoping to go to state, they were very well uh, behaved because they didn't want to get in trouble or, you know. So very they, focused. Very focused on that team. So, And they adored their coach. Uh, he was, he, he just... They just thought the world of him, so... Please tell me a little bit about Larry. Uh, he is very quiet. He never wanted to be out in the spotlight. <laughs> well, he sure got that <laughs> and in 77. He, he couldn't get away from it in 77. Hmm. But he didn't like interviews and things like that, I don't think. And you know, it didn't seem like he did. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, he just he just knew how to handle us, you know, the, how to handle the boys and... He was just an excellent coach. That's great. It so, sounds like the the players thought so too. That always helps. And that oh yeah, they had very good respect for him. I assume it was the regional finals you had to win to get into the state tournament. Do you remember that night or? Oh yeah, that was Watford City. They had to, they had to beat Watford, and I think they beat him by four points. I didn't watch half the game. I was. Why is that? Oh, I couldn't. I just was too nervous. But you were there. <laughs> but I was there. So after they lost the finals, do you remember that night? How did that feel? That, it, it was bad. Well, the whole season you're on this high, and boy, then all of a sudden it just, uh, it was hard. Even for two or three weeks after we were home, it was just, you kind of were down in the dumps the whole time because you knew it was over. And Was that both yourselves and the boys? or uh, I don't know about the boys. They kept going but for us it was it was really uh, I had him my, my uncle had taped all of them just on a little recorder and I listened to those games over and over and over My name is Larry Overbold. I was born in Crosby, North Dakota in 1946. Uh, I graduated in 64. Went to school in Dickinson, graduated, and I started teaching in Epping in 1972-73. And, you know, Don Howard was probably as hard a working kid as I ever coached. And probably, you know, of all the kids that I coached, he's a kid that least wanted any credit for anything he did. You know, he was always for the, you know, for the team. Mm-hmm. And, and never and never about himself. Very, very unselfish. You know, he sounds like a great, great guy. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he really was. I get tears in my eyes when I just start to think of What did it mean to be able to coach a guy like that? 
you know, you, you hope in your lifetime you get somebody like that. But, you know, I coached a lot of good kids, kids that were, you know, that that were dedicated to the sport and, and that put in, a, you know, the kids over there put in a lot of time playing, and that's, you know, that's what made them good. And then there wasn't any, you know, there wasn't no jealousy or anything like that. Nobody really cared who did the scoring or, you know, of all the kids I had, he, he could care less if he ever scored a point, you know. Yeah. As long as the team did well, yeah. But, you know, I remember Donnie more, more so than anybody, because he was kind of a chunky kid his freshman and sophomore year, and then he lost a whole bunch of weight. You know, he'd go right. running that night, and and uh, you know, and that was that was to help the team out more. He always took the, you know, any time we had they had a good, uh, you know, offensive ball player, I always put Donnie on. He always took the, you know, the the toughest player they had, whether he was a forward or guard. Good defense player, was, huh? Yeah, a real good defensive player. Because he worked so hard. Two fingers and brothers and two Allard brothers. And and then uh, was Tom Brevik and Jay Bingaman and mm-hmm. Dale Kiever. Those were, the, those were, were six fantastic years, you know, that I spent there. Was, they were really a close-knit bunch of kids. It was a super fantastic time. Mike Binger, and I was born in Williston and lived in, lived in Epping, North Dakota. Uh, I graduated from high school in 1978. What are your memories of Donnie? Oh, man. Uh, that's tough to talk about, but uh, he, he was one of my best friends. I think about him every day, every time I hear a train whistle first thing that pops into my mind. And, uh, my other best friend was Dale Keever and us, him and Donnie and I, we hung out constantly through high school and, and even after high school we got together a lot. I'm sorry for but, your yeah. loss, you know, sad. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it was a tough one, that's for sure. Yeah. Just a bunch of farm kids and, you know, and to, and to come in and play against some of them bigger schools. And, and the way we could do that is we played together for so long. We had a great coach. Everybody got along. We were like a, like a family, I guess. Mm-hmm. That, that includes the parents and the and now we're missing one of our pieces, so it's, it's just not the same. Yeah, my name is uh, Jay Bingman. I live in Epping, North Dakota. Oh, oh, Don was a real likable fella. He'd do anything for you. We grew up together, really start to get to know each other back in the, like, fifth or sixth grade, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they lived uh, straight west of my farm. 
probably three and a half miles, three miles. I used to go there once in a while and help more cows. And what kind of basketball player was he? He was a very good basketball player. He wasn't, uh, one, you know, he wasn't a ball hog or anything like that. He always was looking out for the next guy. <laughs> he worked hard. Worked hard a lot harder than I did. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he was a really good person. First of all, what what was it like going to Bismarck that weekend? Strange. <laughs> it was overwhelming us. Gym was like huge, you know, mm-hmm. compared to what we're used to playing in. But it was quite the experience. Ready to go, brings it down the left side. Bobby Allard to the left side of the lane. There takes that long jumper, no good. Rebound is taken off by Jay Bingaman. Bingaman to try to make finger knocked out, picked up by Bingaman. Bingaman with the ball, out in front of Donnie Allard. Donnie Allard to the right hand side of the curb. Don holds the ball, setting up his offense. Allard with the ball to the left hand side to Clydefinger. Clyde steps in there. God, 16 to 10, up with a biggest lead. My name's Clyde Binger, and uh, I grew up five miles north of Epping on a farm. And in uh, fourth and fifth grade, the Allards moved south of Epping, and then we went to school together. Donnie and I were in the same grade, and then Bobby and my other, my brother Mike were in the grade below us, juniors. They were fourth graders when we were fifth graders. So we started playing basketball then and played all the way through. What kind of guy was Don? Don was the peacemaker, easygoing, just I mean, the nicest guy. That's that's the way Donnie was. Mm-hmm. Three brothers that were all around the same age, and <laughs> we were around them all. And and Donnie was the peacemaker between the other two brothers. And I don't think I ever saw him, man. What kind of basketball player was he? I mean, what was his style? And whoever we played, whoever their best ball player was. That's who Donnie guarded. Mm-hmm. Donnie was the best defensive player we had. Like in the regionals, when we played Mandarin, they had a guy that averaged like 35 points a game or something like that. And Overball uh, said that, the coach, he said, mm-hmm. we're going to win, Donnie, then you're, you're going to have to hold him down into the into the team. And I think he only had like 10 points that game. And we won that game, but... I don't know if his feet were quick or what, but he... What was it like going down to Bismarck that weekend? Oh, man. That's, you know, it's something, looking back at it now, it's, it's something you'd never forget. And it was, you know, one of the greatest things that's ever happened, besides having my kids. Gives it to Donnie Allard, down across on the left side. Allard with the ball in front court. Brings it over to Jay Bingaman. Jay Bingaman to the right side of the key. Goes right inside to Mike Binger. Mike with a set shot, no good. Don Allard with the rebound. Donnie drives. Underneath the tight finger, jumping to a beautiful pass for Donnie Allard. Good enough to get him with the lead. Jim Nicholson with the ball, Paul Zing. He's the playmaker out there. The general has set up the plays. What are your memories of Don Allard? Well, he he was actually my cousin and my best friend. My name's Dale Kieber. I was born in 1959 in Stanley, North Dakota. I played ball on the Epping Eagles basketball team and graduated in 1977. What kind of guy was uh, Don? He was super. Best guy you could ever find. He was a very unselfish player. He was very unselfish in his entire life. Did you go to his funeral? Uh, yes, actually, I was Paul Bear. I miss him terribly. We did a lot of stuff together. We were inseparable when we were going to school. We actually... Uh, had an apartment together or, uh, in the first year out of school and we went to college. 
He was a fun-loving guy. So let me ask you some basketball stuff. So you must have played in that final game because you had a vingers fouled out. So you must have been on the floor then there in the fourth quarter at least. Yes, I, I did make it to the floor in the fourth quarter. Sixth Street, uh-oh. That's Mr. Vinger's fifth foul. Mike Vinger, number 45. I got to know who this is. See if I got that. 45. Uh, Dale Keever. Keever's in. Number 45, Dale Keever. Top break, losing Vinger, I'll tell you that. And right now, here's a little picture that tells an awful lot. What's it like to be in that kind of environment that's, you know, and then have to go out there cold like that? Um, It was very nerve-wracking to have to go out there. (laughs) I was like, what do I do now? Sounds like you guys are trying to play catch-up most of the game, huh? Yeah, most of the game. It was a, it was a, it was a tough one. I always figured I had the best seat in the house. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You, you would, uh, they, they would do some cheers and you'd look around and you'd just do the goosebumps. It must have been a really cool experience for you to be a part of that. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was uh, like I said, I had the best seat in the house and I had the best seat in the house all year long. And definitely the momentum is changing here to Epic. On the line now is Tommy Brevik for his first free throw. Didn't get it. Well, last night he came in as a sub and was really effective. 23 seconds to go in the third quarter. Eight-point lead for Hillsborough. Seven-point lead. Brevik gets the foul throw. My name's Tom Brevik. I was born on June 3rd, 1960. Grew up on a farm outside of Epping, and I still reside there. I work in uh, Bulletin, North Dakota. I'm a supervisor at a precious metal refinery. Yeah, no, I was a sixth man on the team. I mean, I did see quite a bit of playing time. Kind of a funny story, I guess, would be that as a sixth man, of course, the game started, and the coach would he'd be sitting there, and as things were go- progressing in the game, if things aren't going well, he'd grab my arm. And then he'd start squeezing it, and then pretty soon he'd yank me off the bench and say, get in there for so <laughs> We kind of knew when we got uh, in that age group that, you know, we were going to be a pretty good team. What are your memories of Don Allard? You know, he uh, he excelled in school. Uh, he was an honor student in school. Um, and he was very athletic and very good. And, I mean, as a, as a person, he's a phenomenal guy. You know, it, we were pretty much set up to where – when that go-to player had an off night, I mean, everybody else just picked it up and uh, and just played the game. Um, now, one of the games I don't know if anybody's mentioned to you about. So, in our in our semifinal game in the regional tournament against Beulah, Bob Howard fouled out like early in the third quarter. We're behind like four or six points at the time, and we actually went into a stall and we held the ball. I mean, and everybody just couldn't figure out what are we doing. We'd score a point again once we knew we went ahead we pretty much knew that we were going to win that game because we were so phenomenal on the four corner stall that i mean it was just we basically confused the uh the opposing team and just for clarification are you saying that you guys went into a stall while you were still trailing yes we did we just we didn't rush it we just took our time that is amazing i've never heard of a team stalling while they were actually trailing. 
and he makes 26-20. Last night I had a long visit with uh, uh, Bob and I did with uh, Al Allard, Donnie's father. There's a shot at toughness, uh, 2720. And uh, we were all through the consensus opinion, and uh, most people when they talk about the Epping team, they talk about Bob Allard. And Daddy Al said, uh, that's not so. He said, Don Allard proves every time that they get in trouble that he's the cop that brings them through. They're set to go. The pass in underneath, driving, shooting, and staring is all similar to we never really talked about marriage, or maybe we did, I don't remember, but I do remember the night we were just visiting, and we were alone for some reason that night, and he kept being strange, and he told me to go get something out of his pocket, and I was kind of at the stage where, like, I'm not waiting on you, you go get it yourself. He says, no, you got to go get that out of my pocket. I'm like, all right, so I got up and went and got it out of pocket, and it was the box with the ring in it. My name is Mary Allard. I was born in Williston, North Dakota in 1962. Graduated from Williston High in 1980. Met Don Allard in 1976. Do you remember the first time you met Don? I did. It was at a baseball game. I had seen him and just kind of wanted to go over and start talking to him. And so you were in high school. He was in high school, I guess. Yep. He was a senior that year, and I was a freshman. But you didn't go to Epping High School? No, I was the city slicker girl. I didn't have a driver's license, so my dad would drive me to his games. Yeah, when they would play in Epping, we didn't go like to out-of-town games, but we would go to the Epping ones. So I've already interviewed a lot of people and talked about Don, um, but no one who was married to him for how many years? 35 years we were married. He didn't get mad. If we did get mad, it had to be money or, you know, but otherwise, the fight. He never. we never got mad about personal things. I mean, there was nothing I did that made him furious. There was nothing he did that made me furious. So it was strange. He did not get mad very often. Hmm. I mean, even in high school, they talk about it. And Mike Finger would know more of that. Um, They went to, uh, it was a party after, I think it was after graduation, I believe. Anyway, um, Don hit a guy, that guy was making a comment about me. Oh. And he hit this yeah. guy and bent over and helped the guy get back up. And If we go back to the 77 tournament, you were there for the final game. Yes, I was. What was that like, sitting in the stands, watching your boyfriend struggle? It was still exciting because they were so small. You know, their biggest travels was to go into Williston and they could have pizza at Happy Joe's or go to the drive-in and have burgers, you know. What do you miss most about Don? The companionship. Being alone is tough. Doing things alone, getting to learn to do that kind of stuff. You know, and we did go on trips. One of his uh, favorite things was for, um, we traveled through his work. We got to go to Florida, California, and we always watched baseball games. Wherever we went, that was one of our things. We were going to try to hit as many baseball games as we could when he retired. And we got to go to a few. Uh, yeah, I'm Dale Allard, uh, son of Don Allard. Uh, I was born in Wilson, but grew up in Minot. Moved here when I was like one. Uh, that's where I currently live now. Okay. Worked on the railroad. Uh, I guess uh, that's what uh, my dad did two years before he passed away. Growing up, 
How often did you hear or have to hear about the 1977 state tournament? When I was a kid, I remember going to basketball camps and stuff, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I never, I didn't really get to understand the whole significance of the 1977 Eagles until I got older. But when I'd go to camp, they'd read your name off and then they'd say Dale Allard. And everyone always asked, hey, are you related to the Allard from that team? You know, and uh, every time I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, one with my dad. But then, you know, that was kind of the end of it until I got older, you know. And there's even funny story. We were, I think I was 21. We went to Billings, Montana for a, a bull riding event. And it was my dad, my grandma, grandpa, their brothers. And I'm sitting down at a random seat and I don't know the guy next to me. And we just introduced ourselves. I'm like, oh, I'm Dale Allard. He's like, Allard? You guys, you know what it was? Epping Allard? And I'm in Billings, <laughs> Montana. You know, this is 25, like 30 years after the thing. And he's still asking <laughs> That's about it, which I thought was kind of crazy, you know. And tell me about your dad. Is you know he's um, uh, one of the good things about my dad was he was just um, he had one of the greatest laughs. You know, you watch a movie. You know, he always found things the funniest, and everything you watch with him became funnier because of his laugh. Um, <laughs> and like we worked, I got to work with him for five years on the railroad, so we got to see him every day. And some days we got to work together, and mm-hmm. then I really cherished that. That was great. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you know, one of the things is like, you know, as I grew up as a kid. You know, he still played amateur basketball, you know, every Sundays. And I, so I'd go watch him and I'd watch him play the entire game and he'd never shoot. He was more worried about getting other people involved in the game and having a good time. And I think that's kind of rubbed off, you know, yeah. ever, in his life too. Is it's like he never missed at work. He had to, whatever the dude to come to my games, you know, he would work as hard as to come to any of us, our family things. And it, and then for, for the railroad, our job is so you're not, you're on call 24 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week. So for him to make sacrifices like that, it was, you could just tell that's how he, he always put people in front of him and never really, and I never knew how big a deal it was when I was growing up because he was just there until I actually started working that job and I realized how hard it is to be at things. Yeah, you know, he was, he's such a humble guy. And I, you know, he was not about showboating. He never liked watching people showboat on TV or the pros or anything like that. There's no reason to try to embarrass someone or, or show off, just play the game the right way. I'm Donald Allard, uh, also known as DJ from the family, uh, born and raised in Minot by my parents, Don and Mary Allard. Uh, my dad was, grew up in Epping, and I still go to his family farm where he grew up all the time, uh, grandparent, visit my grandparents. <laughs> uh, it was fairly often uh, anywhere from a random encounter to a couple teachers in my high school remembered it. It was relatively common. What can you tell me about your dad? What was he like? Uh, he was... Uh, Really easy going, super laid back. I mean, he hardly ever really raised his voice. I mean, he was super easy going, loved to laugh. Um, kind of came to crunch time, he knew how to get things done. I mean, he was very orderly and on point with his life. But yeah, he was super easy to have as a dad. I know that. Never, never really yelled at us. Or, I mean, didn't have strict rules or nothing. Hard worker, yeah. I mean, I, right. so yeah, he worked hard and he always loved to go back to the farm and help my grandpa with the cattle. I mean, that was one of his favorite things to do. I don't know. I mean, at my age now, it's, I mean, he was, uh, we golfed a lot together, you know, have a couple beers at holiday times, just getting together. You know, that's, that's where I, I, you know, that was cut so short for me. I only had a few years of that right. relationship to the father son. So I guess I really miss that aspect. Uh, hello, my name is Rachel Glory. Um, formerly Allard. My uh, my father was uh, Donald Allard. Um, I was born in Williston, North Dakota. Mostly any time that uh, we were at boarding events, if um, 
you know, my dad introduced himself to somebody, they would immediately ask, oh, were you, were you the allied from that, that Epping team? And, and so, yeah, we would hear about it a lot. My grandmother loves to have everybody together um, for Christmases and Easter is always a big, um, a big get together. The brothers used to play in a tournament every Easter in um, the little town of Ray, which is really close to Epping. My grandma's house is like almost a, a shrine to her boys. Uh, so there's always all kinds of awards and pictures up on the walls in a glass case. So, I mean, I always knew from a young age that basketball kind of ran in our blood and it was just a way of living. There was two major sports that my family was in love with and it was basketball and softball. And uh, I did play basketball. Uh, I only made it through uh, freshman year. Um, You know, he said that he always loved to watch me play because he said that I was a hard worker and you could always see that when I was out on the court. And that's the thing about dad that I that I love the most is that he always rooted for the underdogs. You know, he sure. always wanted to um, go for the people that he saw that were putting in the effort, you know, that really worked hard, not necessarily the ones that were natural talents, but ones that really worked. Can I, may I ask you what you miss most today? What I miss most about my dad? Well, the easy things to miss are his, his smile and his laugh. Mm-hmm. They're always they were always uplifting at um, his quiet strength. You know, he really um, strength, and I always knew that um, that he was there to support me, and I, I missed that. It was hard because his job, he wasn't always available. You know, with the, the railroad, he's on call a lot, he was away a lot, but he still tried to be at everything that he could be, and, you know, he always... He'd come to things even when he hadn't even been asleep yet. Um, I just, yeah, he was always just really supportive. So all of my memories are, you know, him teaching me how to to ride a bike without training wheels. And um, he'd take me to the softball diamonds and all of me to practice my hitting. So he'd always give me tips and tell me what I need to do and... Thank you for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.